0: Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy to be in your house, to worship you, to lift your name up. We ask, Father, that you would come meet with us, draw us into your presence, change us by your love. Lord, we pray for our brothers and sisters around us. We pray this morning that your Holy Spirit would be at work in their lives. We pray for those around us, Lord, who don't know you yet. We pray this morning uh, would be the day that they would say yes to you and invite you into their lives. We thank you for all the blessings you give us for a chance to celebrate you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I want you to think this morning uh, about who you are. If I were to ask you, who are you? How would you answer? You say, "Uh, tell me who you are. Tell me a little bit about yourself. What would you say? Where where would you go in your mind? What's the first thing you would think of? Um, Where where would you go with that? I don't want to direct you any. I'm going to ask you that a little later on when we start uh, talking together. So uh, think about that. If I were to ask you, who are you? How, How would you answer that question? And this morning, we're looking at, once again, the story of the Good Samaritan. And I want to warn you once again, every time I read this, I think, yeah, I know this story. And when I say that, I immediately stop really paying close attention. So you need to pay close attention as we share together around Luke chapter 10, beginning with verse 25. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. But he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road. And when he saw the man... He passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, go. And do likewise. May God add God's blessing, the reading and hearing of this God's most holy word. Almighty God, thank you for a chance to just be together and to listen to your word. And Father, we pray as we come and contemplate what you've said, that we would be open to your spirit speaking to us, and that we would be willing to respond to you. We thank you, Lord, that you never leave us nor forsake us, that you're here this morning to speak to us, And we pray that our hearts and our minds would be open, that when you speak, we would be willing and ready to say yes. Thank you, Father, for this opportunity, and I ask that you would speak through me, though I'm unworthy, except by your incredible grace. And so, Lord, would you come and receive all our praise and all our glory, for we pray these things in Jesus' name, Amen. amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So who are you? Tony, who are you? Tell me who you are. Tony. Tony. You're a kid. Okay, that's good. What else, Tony? What else can you tell me about yourself? I'm 10. You're 10. Very good. Anything else? I'm black. You're black? Okay. Anything else? No, that's it? All right. How about somebody over here? Not you, Kenny. You always talk. (laughs) Oh, you're going to ask me who I am. We'll get to that. Uh, somebody over here, tell me who you are. Somebody real quick. Ah, Brian, who are you? Brian Renner. Brian Renner. Who? Who's Brian Renner? Okay, Kim and Glenn's youngest. Good, all right. And smartest and best looking? <laughs> ah, okay, that would be debatable. All right. <laughs> they are smart. Yeah, they're all smart, yeah. All right, how about or anyone else over here? Tell me who you are. Come on, be brave. All right. Okay, Ben, who are you, Ben? Okay, Elaine and Josh's son. Anything else about you I should know? You like to hunt. There you go. I like that. I like that. Good. How about the balcony? I need someone in the balcony to tell me who you are. See, you hide up there, but I can see you. So... Somebody up there, tell me who you are. Cheryl, tell me who you are. Cheryl. <laughs> yeah, that, that just gives me a name. Who are you? Okay. <laughs> Three children. So you're a mom. Okay. And a wife. What do you like? Sports. All right, all right. Jimmy. Jimmy, <laughs> Jimmy sometimes. <laughs> that's, a, that's a sometimes thing. No, she always likes Jimmy. <laughs> uh, yeah, isn't, isn't it interesting? Who, who we are is frequently defined by, for instance, our relationships, right? Uh, you heard, I mean, you know, we, we heard that uh, Brian was uh, Glenn and Kim's son. And, and so we frequently... Are, we frequently define ourselves by who we're connected to, who we're related to. Um, so I'm a son, I'm a husband, I'm a brother, uh, and, and all those things kind of come together. Some of you may be grandparents, some of you may be uh, just, uh, I shouldn't say just, some of you may be children of important people. Uh, yesterday at uh, Paul D'Antonio's father's uh, memorial service, I got to share the story. He, he uh, played football with Mike Dicka now, for those of you who don't know who Mike Dicka is, he's a pretty famous football player, in particular very famous football coach. Uh, and if you're not into football, I apologize. Uh, but it, 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 it's those connections that we make. So somehow uh, we're connected. Or sometimes when we talk about who we are, we define ourselves by what we do right? Uh, so I'm a pastor, or you might be a teacher, you might be a nurse, you might be a construction worker, uh, you, you might be a, a house parent, uh, you, you take care of the kids, and that's your full-time job. That's more than a full-time job, we know. Uh, so that, that might be defining who you are. You might, you might go there. Uh, you might define yourself by uh, the color of your skin. Tony said, I'm black, okay? Uh, I'm, I'm white. Some of you may be uh, Asian, or you might be... Uh, um, in American Indian. So sometimes we define ourselves by the way we look or by the color of our skin or by our cultural heritage. We define ourselves in a number of different ways. This morning I want to suggest to you that Jesus would want to redefine who you are. Okay, so he would want you to, to change the answer to the question, who are you? So when Jesus comes to us, I believe that He's trying to get us to see that we are more than what's on the outside, we're more than our relationships to our kinfolk, and we're more than what we do for occupation, for work. And this comes becomes very apparent in our Scripture lesson this morning, because immediately the the expert in the law wants to know, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And the answer is very, very simple, right? It's not a bunch of rules. It's not a bunch of laws. It's, it's, one, it's two things, right? Love God and love your neighbor. So love God and love your neighbor. It's really simple. Following Jesus is a simple uh, thing to know. It's not easy to do. It's just simple to know. To love God and love your neighbor. And if you do those things, you will discover who you really are. Now, some people have decided that those things are mutually exclusive. That I can love God and not care about anybody else. Or I can love other people and not care about God. Whenever you do one exclusively, you miss out on who you are. It would be like saying that I, I, will, I want to be a father, but I don't want to be a husband. Okay? Well, I have both those relationships. So now I, I'm choosing something and I'm trying to separate myself. I can be a pastor, but I don't want to be a teacher. Well, that's kind of hard because every Sunday part of the job is I have to stand up and talk to you people and try to teach you something. At least that's the goal. So then I'm trying to separate myself. I, I, I can't separate myself. I, I have to be a whole. And so Christ would have us be a whole, and that whole is, it requires two things. We have to love God, and we have to love our neighbors. So whenever someone says to you, well, who am I, or who are you, <laughs> who are you, uh, the There should be two components coming into your mind. Well, I'm a person who loves God, and I'm a person who loves other people. And the title for that is found in our Scripture lesson this morning. It's called, Neighbor. So I'm hoping that next time I ask you who you are, Tony, next time I ask Tony who he is, Tony's going to say to me, I'm a neighbor. That's what I'm hoping for. You think it'll work? Tony's willing to give me a shot. That's great. So, so here we are. We're trying to figure out who we are. And, and I really hope that we can see that we're a neighbor. Now, in this story that Jesus tells to try to get the, the teacher of the law to understand what a neighbor is, um, he starts out talking about the religious folk. Okay, He talks about the priests and Levites. These are the guys that worked at Church. Okay. These are the guys who followed all the rules, and, and they try to follow all the rules so that uh, God would be happy with them. You ever do that? Just, I'm, I'm just going to follow the rules because I want God to be happy with me. Um, and, and if you do that at home, that works pretty good, right? So if you follow the rules, your mom or dad will be happy with you. Is that Correct. If you do what mom and dad says, then you, they're happy with you. But you know what I discovered? They're not always happy with you just because you follow the rules. When I was little, uh, my, my mom got mad at us. It didn't happen very often. And, and so she set out a list of rules we had to follow. And so my sister and I said, okay, we'll follow the rules, but we're not talking to you. That worked real well. When dad got home, it wasn't happy. We followed the rules. We did what she said. She said, do this, we did that. She said, do this, we did that. But we refused to talk to her. And she was all upset. We couldn't do enough right things to please her. Because what she really wanted was not for us to follow all the rules. She wanted us to love her. And to have a relationship with her. It wasn't about the rules. And what's interesting is when you begin to try to just follow a set of rules, you find yourself worrying about whether you're doing it right or not. Reminds me of a story. Uh, And by the way, most religions today are all about the rules. If you follow the rules, you can make God happy. Uh, Islam in particular. Islam suggests that if you do enough good things, if you do more good things than bad things, then God might accept you when you die. He, he might welcome you. That's what Islam teaches. Christianity doesn't teach that at all. Christianity comes from a different perspective where God's desire is to have a relationship with you. It reminds me of a story that happens actually right after the story of the Good Samaritan. You see, Jesus goes to his friend's house, and his friend's sisters are trying to get things ready for the crowd that Jesus brought. Can you imagine? Jesus shows up to your house, and Jesus never came alone. He always came with a crowd. By the way, if you remember the story where Jesus turns the water into wine, I'm almost sure they ran out of wine because Jesus brought all these people that weren't on the guest list. And they all just show up. And this happens in the home of Mary and Martha. And Martha's trying to get everything ready. And there are all these people to take care of. And she's trying to follow all the rules. She's trying to please everybody. She's trying to get it all right. And her stinking sister is sitting at Jesus' feet doing nothing, she thinks. And so finally she can't take it anymore, and she goes to Jesus, and I'm paraphrasing now, but she says, Jesus, my sister is doing nothing, I need her help, tell her to give me a hand. And Jesus looks at Martha, and I got this image of Martha with her hair everywhere, she's sweating to death, her her clothes are all disgruntled, and she's, she's really upset, and Jesus says to her, Martha, you worry about so many things chill out. Oh no, <laughs> that's not in there. <laughs> but I almost hear him saying, chill out. And then he says, Mary has chosen something that's more important. You see, because what Mary was about was trying to get to know Jesus better. She wanted to know Jesus. Jesus. And when you get to know Jesus, then all of a sudden the rules aren't so important because they just seem to happen because you want to do what Jesus wants you to do. You see, some people today are busy trying to be religious. I'm sorry, I'm way behind on the, the overhead. So for those of you hearing this on podcast, don't pay any attention for a moment. <laughs> but, but listen to what Jesus said. He said, you are worried and upset about many things, but few, few things are needed. Indeed, only one. And that one thing is a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what's needed. So if you're a neighbor, you have this relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the first key to being a neighbor. You're not religious. You're in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Christianity is not a religion. Well, for some people it is, unfortunately. But the way Christ set it up was not for it to be a religion. It was for people to get to know Him and experience Him and be in fellowship with Him. And in so doing, to to be changed on the inside. So some people are are religious, like the priests and the Levites. And by the way, the Scripture doesn't tell us why they passed by on the other side. I've heard sermon after sermon after sermon about why they passed by on the other side. I don't know. But the religious folk didn't respond to the poor guy who's laying there half dead. And so we come to this guy who's the victim. And the victim's easy to spot, isn't he? I mean, the victim's the one that's been beat up. Everything's taken from him. The Scripture says the robbers took everything. And they beat him up. They stripped him of his clothes. And they left him Half dead. They took everything. It's clear to see who the victim is, right? If I were to ask you in this story, who's the victim? You'd tell me, well, the guy that got beat up on the side of the road. But I want to suggest to you that he wasn't the only victim in the story. Because you see, when Jesus mentions the Samaritan, all of a sudden the Jews there have a whole different picture of who this person is. Because when they hear the word Samaritan, if you were with us last week, you may remember we talked a lot about the Samaritans last week. And when they hear the word Samaritan, they hear someone who isn't worthy, someone who is uh, outside of God's love, outside of God's grace. They immediately look at the Samaritan and they begin to judge the Samaritan. And so, the person who's beat up on the side of the road is not the only victim here. The Samaritan who's been ostracized, who's been treated differently because of his heritage, because of his ancestry. The Samaritan had been hated. and As a matter of fact, my guess is when Jesus said, and this Samaritan came by, the Jews there kind of went, oh no. What's going to happen now? Clearly this isn't a good outcome. Because after all, it's a Samaritan. Say it with me: one, two, three. Samaritan. No, you guys said it way too nice. Samaritan. You almost have to spit when you say the word. You see? Yeah. Samaritan. Oh, against the rules in this church. No, my mom's rules. Oh, your mom's rules. And given the fact you're sitting right in front of her, it's a good thing you didn't do that, Kenny. <laughs> You might have gotten a dope slap again. <laughs> Always looking behind you. Are you kidding? <laughs> so, so you see, uh, the the person who's beat up on the side of the road isn't the only victim. A- and I want you to see that because we forget that we too are victims because we too face hatred and anger. We face all different kinds of isms. Our world's all about that right now. But it goes beyond the isms racism, sexism. It goes beyond that. For you see, in our lives, it's not just that we're a victim because other people are against us, we're a victim because of things that have happened to us and things that we have chosen. And those things that have happened to us, and those things that have chosen, it's easy to blame someone else, right? and Point the finger. But the truth of the matter is, we have made decisions. We have decided to do things that go against the love of God. And we have decided to do things and say things that go against what God would have us do and say. And we have broken that relationship. And there's one that's really busy trying to get us to break that relationship. You see, it's not that you just one day decided, oh, I'm going to break my relationship with God today. But there's one that's working very desperately to rob you, to take you of all the joy and the peace and the love of life. There's one that's out to, to take everything from you. And He even may convince you that to take those things from you will really make your life better and happier. But it won't. It will destroy your life. We frequently go to John chapter 10, verse 10. You may, if you come here very often, you may say, Oh, preacher, you always go to that verse. I frequently do. I usually talk about the last half of that verse. Because the last half of that verse, if you remember, talks about how Jesus came to give us life and life More abundant, yes. But don't forget the first half of that verse. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. You see, the thief has come into your life. I don't care who you are, the thief has come into your life. No matter how good you think you are or how perfect you think you are, the thief has come into your life. And he has begun to kill, and he has begun to steal. And he's begun to destroy you. That's his desire, is to get you out of the picture. And I watch because he doesn't just come upon those who don't follow Jesus. He comes to those who follow Jesus. And he tries to convince them because if he can get you off the battlefield. Uh, I think frequently of uh, when when I used to play uh, baseball. And I played first base. And so, one of the things as a first baseman that I always did was when a guy got on first base, when a runner got on first base, I began to talk to the runner. You ever watch the pros always do this? See, not that I was a pro, but I was learning. And when the runner got there, I began to talk to the runner. And the reason I began to talk to the runner was I wanted to distract the runner from the game. I'd talk about anything. Hey, those are cool shoes you got on. Where'd you get those shoes? Hey, that was a great hit. You see, I try to make him think he was a good player. You know? Hey, that was a great hit. And we begin to talk. And before long, he's thinking about something else besides the game. Now the good players would ignore me. Not that I'm easy to ignore. Or sometimes they would try to talk me out of paying attention to the game. But if I could get them thinking about something else, you see, then I could get them off the game. And there is one who steps into our lives who constantly wants us to think about something else. Not to think about our relationship with God or our relationship with other people, but to think about other things. To get us off course. I've said this before, but I know whenever I try to share with someone about Jesus Christ, I immediately hear the evil one begin to try to take us off course. Because they'll hear, I'm Baptist, and they'll say, well, Baptists don't have any fun. What do you mean they don't have any fun? Well, they can't drink, they can't smoke, they can't play cards, they can't go to movies. Well, wait a minute, first of all, uh, that's not who Baptists are, but more importantly, I want to talk to you about your relationship with Jesus Christ. Oh, you don't believe in evolution. Wait a minute, we're, we're not here to talk about evolution. You, you hear what's happening? Well... You people don't understand sexuality today. Sexuality is different than it's different. Well, no, 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 no. We're here to talk about Jesus Christ. You see, the, the evil one, the thief, will come into your life and he's constantly trying to divert your attention from the game. And that game is your relationship with Jesus and your relationship with other people. If you want to be a neighbor, you've got to get in the game and you've got to stay in the game. You've got to keep your head in the game. And so we, we see that we are victims. As a matter of fact, we all have been victimized to the point where we have made the wrong choice. The good news is that Jesus has stepped into our life to, to turn that around, to get our attention again, back upon Him, so that our lives can be renewed and exciting and full again. And the key to that is to say to Him, Jesus, I get it. I've failed help me and this is what he says i've already helped you i've paid the price i died the scripture says the wages of sin the things you've done wrong the the pay for the things you've done wrong somebody has to die and jesus says i died in your place so that you could be forgiven so that that stuff doesn't have to bind you anymore you can be set free so that you could have life and have it more abundant So we are victims, but Jesus has come to change that. We're all broken, but Jesus has come to heal that. The neat thing about being a follower of Jesus Christ is He comes into our brokenness and He begins to heal that. He heals the things that we've thought and the the way we've approached life and He begins to transform that with His love. And as He does that, then all of a sudden our relationships begin to change and they begin to be transformed. And the hard part is we don't like to change. Now some of you young people say, man, I'm all about change. Yeah, I, I hear young people say that all the time, but they all want to look alike. Did you ever notice that? I had a I had a buddy in college um, who was a, a bouncer at a punk bar. Now for those of you who don't know what punk is, punk back in the day, that was back in my day, a long time ago. Uh, people had re- really weird hair color and uh, they wore punk clothes and he always wore a three-piece suit to be a bouncer at a punk bar and of course the mantra of punk is we want to be different that was their mantra we're going to be different so he would walk into the punk bar and they'd say why are you wearing a three-piece suit this is a punk bar he said exactly look you all look the same i'm the one that looks different here he figured it out but we don't like to change. We want to stay the same. We like the way things are. The good news is that when those things are horrible and they're tearing us apart, Jesus comes in to change us. It may not be easy. It may be painful. But as He does, life gets so much better. Our relationships become alive. We have hope again. So if we're not religious and we are victims, but we've been healed, then who really are we? And the neat thing is, we're neighbors. Did you catch the Samaritan? I I love the Samaritan. The Samaritan is really what a neighbor is. You see, the Samaritan knows what it's like to be loved. And he knows how to love someone. So he comes to someone who's hurting and broken. And he comes to them and he holds them. He picks the guy up. Now, the guy's covered, I would imagine, in dirt and blood. And he picks the guy up and he puts him in his own Jaguar. Or Ford Focus. Or Hyundai. And he puts him in. It. Now, now that's going to get you all dirty and messed up. And then he takes him to the local hospital. And, and he, sits, he sits by the bed. And he makes sure the guy is taken care of. And he stays there all night. Because he sees this guy as someone who needs to be loved and cared for. He doesn't do it because he feels there are rules about, well, you really should help your fellow man. That's not why. If he felt that way, he might have gotten him to the hospital, but that would have been the end. But he stays with him all night. And he doesn't ju- do it just because this guy is uh, you know, a friend or someone he knows. He doesn't know this guy. And not only does he spend the night, but when the bill comes for staying the night in the hospital, he pays it, and he has to leave. So he says, and when I come back, I'll pay for any extra nights, he has to stay in the hospital. Better than an insurance plan. And he does that because out of his heart, there is this seed of love that has to grow. And he begins to share that seed of love you see that's that's really what a neighbor does a neighbor sees someone who's hurting and they don't even stop and think about it because they have been loved because they experience the mercy of God they can't help but share that with somebody else and you know what the neatest thing about that is Uh, we've been studying in Matthew on on Wednesday nights for only about uh, I don't know two or three years Um, and we're going to get through it we really are and we've hit Matthew chapter 25, and in Matthew chapter 25, uh, Jesus tells about the king who separates the sheep and the goats, and, and he says to the sheep, he says, well, enter into eternal life because what you've done is incredible. When you, you took care of me, and they said, well, when do we take care of you? You see, they didn't even recognize it. This is what they say. They say, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or need clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? When did we do these things? They didn't even recognize. Jesus said, if you did it the least of these, my brothers, you've done it unto me. They didn't even recognize that they did it. Why not? Because they so much loved God and they so much loved in their hearts that they couldn't help but do it. They just simply did it. Do you know people like that? I do. Who they don't even think about it. They see somebody in need and they want to meet that need. They'll do whatever it takes. They're crazy people. You watch them. Money is no object. They're willing to help. Time is no object. That one drives me nuts. I'm always in a hurry. There's always so much to do. And all of a sudden, there's someone in front of me that needs help. And then I have to decide. What am I going to do? And if I follow the rules, I might help them. But it won't be much help, will it? But if I'm filled with the love of God, I can't help but help them. Because God loves me so much and I know God loves them. And then time has no meaning. You see, I don't have to worry anymore. Because I have become a neighbor. What about you? Who are you? Are you a neighbor? Yes! Tony said yes. Yeah, I got one. Praise God. Are are, are you a neighbor? Not just... Not just to the people who live around you, but to anybody you ran into who had a need. Would you be a neighbor? Are you a neighbor? Is Jesus your Savior, not your religion? Good. Good. Are you a neighbor? Have you been healed from the inside? Some people try hard to be neighbors. And they're so broken on the inside. And They don't let Jesus heal them on the inside so that they could really be a great neighbor on the outside. Jesus wants to heal you this morning. You see, that's what's cool about Jesus. He's here right now. And He wants to change you. You remember uh, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood? You know what I liked best about that show? Every time after he sang that stupid song, took off his sweater... Put on his shoes. He'd look at you and this is the first thing he'd say. Hello, neighbor. He didn't know me. But he wanted to be my neighbor. Are you a neighbor? Have you been changed by the love of God? Are you ready to share that love? Any place you go, won't you be My neighbor. Let's pray this morning. Lord Jesus, thank You for Your Word. And Lord, our our desire is to be neighbors. And yet some some of us, Lord, are, are so lost trying to follow the rules that we've lost touch with our relationship with You. Help us to focus again on You this morning. And allow You to come to us and cleanse us, forgive us, wash us that we might Feel Your love and Your grace again that we might follow You. Lord Jesus, help us this morning. Because uh, some of us, Lord, are still so broken. And we need that healing touch in our hearts and in our lives. Sometimes it's broken relationships. Sometimes it's something in our past that we just haven't let go of. Sometimes, Lord Jesus, it's something right now that has us all turned around and thinking of other things besides You. This morning, Lord Jesus, we pray that You'd help us to fix our eyes on You. Lord Jesus, we pray this morning that we would be aware of those around us. And that as You work Your love and Your grace in our lives, Your mercy would flow through us. That everyone we come in contact with would be our neighbor that we would truly be neighbors. Lord, help us to answer the question of who we are with your words, that we might be a neighbor. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.